Hello and welcome to The Rewriters, a celebration of people who have shirked convention, expectation and even their own limitation to rewrite their story on their terms. Each episode will dig into the inspired and very real life stories of people who have done just that, rewritten their story. I'm a nosy practical optimist too, so expect all of the nitty gritty details. If you're an ambitious seeker craving a different kind of lifestyle, career or business, but have felt held back by your own or other people's beliefs about what's possible or permissible, The Rewriters is for you. Hello and a big warm welcome to The Rewriters. I'm your host and resident rewriter, Monique Shaw, and I am freshly back from a good solid month away from my desk and away from almost all things work. Today's episode is another solo one from me, and it probably has my most clickbaity title to date, The Two Questions That Will Change Your Life. But honestly, I really don't think I could overstate the power of the two questions that I'm going to share with you today. I got back from Australia at the start of May and I was there for three weeks after being away from home for three and a half years, which is the longest I've ever been away from home since I moved overseas 16 years ago. We had been due to go back for our annual trip on... um, during the Easter of 2020 and uh, COVID got in the way of that. So when I was going home and wrapping things up for work, I really wrapped things up. I had considered scheduling content to continue to publish while I was away and potentially still be available to clients, but that didn't feel like the right approach for me. So I wanted to wholly and completely be out of the office. So that's what I did. Now, I don't run a big operation, nor do I want to. I run a very simple, personal and individual company that is shaped around me and how I want to live and work. And it didn't feel like I'd be living that by not completely disconnecting, logging off and genuinely taking a complete break from work. So that is what I did. I let my subscribers and my clients know that I'd be out for all of April and I didn't take on any new clients for April work. I set my out of office and I stopped. I really, really stopped, stopped work-wise anyway. Now I'm telling you this for a reason because it's very relevant to the episode today and the two questions that I'm going to share with you. Because if you'd worked with me before, at any point certainly in my 30s, my entire 30s, less so in my 20s, getting there in my late 20s, but absolutely for my entire 30s, when my career was absolutely everything to me, it was my entire identity, completely disconnecting from work was just not a thing. I could not do it. It wasn't possible for me. I couldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I don't know if I even wanted to do it. I got a hit from keeping up on my emails. Uh, It actually eased my anxiety by keeping on top of my inbox when I was on holiday. I felt a lot more comfortable knowing that I could be reached and that particular people had my personal number if they really needed something. I needed to know that I was connected. I could not disconnect. And this was a really tenuous and stressful way to live. I'm not criticizing anyone who has a job or a business that requires them to be reached or reachable 24-7 or particularly during business critical times. But for me, having a career that required that of me and experiencing what that was like, 
I didn't want that for me when I started my own business. It was really imperative that I made sure that I didn't set my own business up like that. That has been really, really important. Now, it's also been a work in progress too. businesses, careers, lives. They are works in progress. We figure more stuff out as we go and we tweak and we evolve accordingly, or at least that's hopefully what we're doing. It's certainly what I strive to do. So what's my point? The point is that I was able to disconnect really and wholly because I set my business up to allow me to do so. And I set my business up to allow me to do so because I know what I need and I trust myself to meet those needs. Now, a quick side note here, I want to be really careful not to imply that if someone works all the hours and doesn't have the luxury or the desire to switch off like that, it's because they just don't trust themselves enough. That's not what I'm saying and that's not what I'm here for. In my old work environments, a lot of the time it was people in more senior positions, in positions of privilege and power, who could switch off while people lower down the food chain with less agency had to be available at the beck and call of others. But I've also seen people in positions of great power who are completely unable and unwilling to switch off and disconnect. Now, for me, I know that personally, my inability to switch off at that time, my inability to prize my phone out of my hand and to get my nose out of my inbox was not about a lack of agency. It was because I was so disconnected from the present moment and from what I really needed and from what I felt and from what was really important to me. I was outsourcing and externalizing a lot of that stuff and a lot of where I placed my personal sense of worthiness and worth was outside of myself. So my point is not, if you can't take a month off to holiday with family and chill, then you're just not doing it right. My point is, do you know what you need and do you trust yourself to meet those needs? And the two questions that I'm going to share today are all about that. The other thing I want to share is that when I got back from Australia, I intended to dive straight back into work. I was going to be off for three weeks and that was plenty. But when I got back, I was really exhausted. If you follow me on social media or you subscribe to my newsletter, you'll know that when I got back from my holiday, I needed a holiday from my holiday. I was completely physically and emotionally exhausted. I had been solidly visiting, activitying, socializing, mothering, driving, chatting, going, going, going for three solid weeks and I was drained. So when I got back to London and to work, I just couldn't bring it and so I didn't. Now, admittedly, it took a really good girlfriend of mine asking me, do you need to do all that work this week or can you take it off? These days, I know what I need more than I ever have. And so I knew that I needed some time and space. And I thought really carefully and critically when she asked that question. And I said, actually, no, I don't. I can I can take it off. I have one or two things that are really important that I need to tend to and to prioritize. But other than that, I can take it off. And I did. I spent that week taking things really slow, gardening, grocery shopping. I watched some trash TV. I potted. I walked the dogs. I took my kid to school and picked him up. I listened to some podcasts and it's taken me a really long time, but I have learned to really pay attention to what I need to listen and then to meet that need. 
rewind to a few years ago, I was still working full time and I was studying as well. I was training as a coach and I was doing a creative writing course as well. I traveled a lot for work. I had a two-year-old. My husband had a really demanding job and we don't have any family that lived nearby. We had a lot going on. And like so many of our friends and colleagues did too, our life was busy. Everybody around us was really busy. For me at work, we were about to launch a really big global campaign. It was something that was really exciting and important to me and had taken a lot of hard work and things were coming together, but it was crunch time. Now I was sitting on the couch this Saturday morning. I had just arrived back to London from a work trip to New York City late the night before. And my husband, Greg, had left the house an hour or so earlier to play football. And we'd had a conversation about how I was going to really need him to take the reins solo for a few weeks at home. I had zero capacity. All of my work and study needed all of me all at the same time. And so that Saturday morning, I did what any sensible and unsuperstitious person would do as their partner leaves to play a contact sport. I said, don't break your leg. And of course he broke his leg. He legit broke his leg. Snap. And in our house at that time, we didn't do recovery and time off. So of course on the Monday he was back at work and this is precast. He hadn't even had his cast fitted yet. It was utter madness. My mother-in-law came down from Yorkshire to come and try and help us out. I'd had two full days of classes coming up that coming weekend after a full-on week at work as well. We were hosting, we had house guests, we had birthday dinners. It was my husband's birthday around that time. I mean, we had a lot going on. Our social life was overstuffed too. And I overdid it. I didn't know when to stop. I didn't know what was enough. I just wasn't wired that way. I was wired to push through. If there were a few minutes available, then there was time. I could make it all happen, but I couldn't. And I got sick. I woke up on the Tuesday morning and it was a really important work day. I was speaking at an event and going to an evening thing afterwards. And I never, ever canceled on work things ever. My husband had rolled up to work with a broken leg and no cast. We were a family that gets on with it, but I couldn't do it. I physically couldn't do it. I was ill. And so I canceled. I couldn't go. Now, this was the closest I have ever been to burnout. It was like an out-of-body experience, like my whole body was wrapped in fluffy cotton wool and I couldn't quite feel or experience anything normally. My senses had short-circuited or certainly it felt like my senses had short-circuited. I'd had sensory overload and it had it wigged out. Now, I remember picking my son up from nursery and walking home in a daze. And I said to my husband that evening, I don't know if I'll ever feel normal again. Now, of course, after a few days of taking things easy and letting myself get better, I felt okay again. But I know that if I had pushed through again that time, like I had done so many times before, if I had swallowed it down, gone to work, done that speaking gig, gone to the evening event afterwards and just you know, finished things as I always had done before, if I had pushed and pushed and pushed again, I would have pushed too far. It would have been too far that time. I know of people I've worked with, with clients, I've interviewed people on my podcast who have pushed too far and they have burnt themselves out for a really long time, for months, sometimes a year. It can be more than that. It's a really, really damaging thing to do to our bodies and to our psyches. And I got really close. And that was three years ago. And it was around that time 
that I had been questioning the way that I had set my life up and the things that were normalized in my environment at home and at work and in my social circle. Everyone worked really hard. Everyone pushed through. Everyone did what they had to do. They kept going. But I had started to question it. Is this really what I want? Is this how I want to live? And more importantly, if not this, then what do I want? I had started to ask and I had started to listen. And so when I got back from Australia earlier this month and my beautiful friend said, do you really need to do all this work this week? I didn't have to question or hesitate. I could say, no, it's more important that I get rest. What I really need is to have some rest and some space. That's what I need and I can meet that need. Old me would have said, yes, absolutely, I need to do all that work. There's so much going on. I'm so busy. People need me. Things won't happen without me. 2022 me says, no, I really don't. And so now (laughs) I want to tell you the two very simple questions that will change your life. They changed mine and they help a lot of my clients too. Hello, if you're a client and you're listening, you might recognize these questions. This one is for all you high achieving people pleasers out there. Hello, my people. Now, these questions require a journal or a notebook. I'm all about writing questions down in our journals or in our notebooks and answering them again with with pen to paper. So write them down and answer them in your handwriting on paper. That's really important. Journaling is really powerful. It's a tool that I use a lot, both personally and with my clients. And I'll talk a little bit more about journaling later in the episode. Okay, so find yourself some solitude, get really still and quiet and write down question number one. How am I feeling? I often put my hand to my chest when I ask this question. It might feel more natural for you to put your hand to your stomach or to rest your hands in your lap as you think about how you feel. You might prefer to linger there with your pen in your hand as you await your response. Write the question down, how am I feeling? And then be very still and pay attention to how you feel in your body as well as in your mind. And then write your answer down. Let it unfold. How are you feeling? And write down your response. And then question number two, what do I need? What do you need? In this moment, what do you need? It may be something tiny. It may be something huge. It may be a cup of tea or a walk or a cry or to be more productive that day or to quit your job, to hug your kid, to book a holiday. In that moment, what do you need? And write it down. And then, and this is The very, very important part, act on it. Act on what you need. Meet that need. You're paying attention to how you feel really and what you need really. And then you are going to meet that need. Now, it sounds really simple and it is really simple, but it's also really big and really powerful too. The compound benefit of simply paying attention to how you feel, taking a minute to check in and then really listening to what your needs are in that moment and giving that to yourself, meeting that need. It's huge. Over time, this practice not only builds a strong sense of self-awareness, but it also builds a very strong sense of self-trust. 
I don't think self-trust is spoken about enough. We hear a lot about self-love and self-care and self-confidence, but we don't hear a lot about self-trust. And self-trust really is the foundation. It is knowing that you've got your back. It's knowing that whatever happens, you'll be okay because you've got you. Not to the exclusion of others. This isn't about not asking for help. In fact, it's not at all about not asking for help. Certainly what may come up as you ask yourself what you need is to ask for help. I've uncovered areas when I've been doing this practice where I've needed to get outside support. I've asked myself what I needed and what it was was to ask for help. When you have self-trust, you have greater courage and greater willingness to follow your gut and to follow what's true. When you have self-trust, you know that asking for help isn't a failing on your part. It's about meeting a need that maybe you're not able to meet directly yourself. Maybe you need to outsource or maybe you need to get back up. So I had a client once and we were talking about courage and confidence and taking risks. And she was or is <laughs> a risk averse person by nature. And ordinarily, I would encourage someone to forget confidence and focus in on courage. That's the priority here. We don't worry about being confident. Confidence is a byproduct of courage. We'll focus instead on being brave and taking courageous action, pushing against your edges, pushing against discomfort, taking some small risks and getting comfortable with that. But what that guidance overlooked, particularly for her, is that it's really hard to take risks and push against discomfort when you feel unsafe and when you don't have a lot of self-trust. And so for this client in particular, the priority couldn't be take messy action. It was to focus in on hearing her needs. She'd spent a lifetime listening to other people's needs and abandoning her own. And so we did the practice of going in and asking, you know, how am I feeling? What do I need? And then meeting those needs. She met those needs daily, weekly, monthly. When you do this, when you do that practice of hearing and listening and meeting your needs, it will change your life. I had another client recently who is exceptional at what she does for work. She is an expert in her field and she's taking some really big, bold moves in her career, in her business, and she knows that she is good at what she does. She does not have an issue around confidence when it comes to her abilities and her, um, her, her strength and her skills, where she needs to really build muscle is around her self-trust, knowing that if things go wrong, big or small, she's got her own back and she will be okay. So self-trust is foundational. And these two questions are questions that will really help you to build self-trust. Back to journaling. So I am a big journaler. I love to journal. I'm also a writer. So pen to paper is my happy place. It's comfortable for me. It has been a comfort to me since I was a kid. But I do have a lot of clients who don't journal. And I know I know fellow coaches who don't journal either. Not everyone does or wants to. But for this practice and these two questions, I'm going to have to insist on it. There is something incredible that happens when you journal, when you write it down rather than think it in your head. You're taking yourself outside of yourself and it becomes visible, almost objective. You can see it in black and white. You're experiencing yourself and that truth in a multi-sensory way. 
journaling is a much loved, much used, much lauded and much proven tool in therapy, recovery, coaching, art, healing. I was listening this morning, actually, to Glennon Doyle's podcast, and she was speaking to Liz Gilbert, and she asked Liz about her spiritual practice, her non-religious spiritual practice. And part of it was something she called two-way prayer, which I believe she used through her recovery. She's in 12-step. What she described reminded me so much of this journaling practice that I'm sharing with you today. It was about asking questions and letting the answers and the wisdom come. Now, for her, it was asking a question of God and letting God write the answer. That might work for you. For me, it's it's really sitting with myself and asking, what do you need and how can I meet those needs for you? And so that's it. Those are the two questions that will change your life. How am I feeling and what do I need? And then act on it. I would love for you to try it out and make it part of your daily practice or even your weekly practice, but daily would be great, to simply write those two questions down and start meeting those needs. How am I feeling and what do I need? And why not see how effective it could be for you over time? You could rate on a scale of one to 10, how much self-trust do I have? How courageous do I feel in my life right now? How connected to my needs am I? Ask yourself those questions and, and rate where you're at on a scale of one to 10. And then do this journaling practice for 30 days or 90 days. 90 days would be amazing. And then revisit those scales in 30, 30 days time, 90 days time and rate yourself again where you are. How much self-trust do you have? How courageous do you feel? And how connected are you to your needs 30 or 60 or 90 days after checking in daily with how you're feeling, what you need, and then meeting those needs. See what's changed. See how much your self-trust has grown, how much more able you are to listen to what you really need and to give yourself those things, however big or small. So before I close out today's episode, I want to also invite you to work with me as part of the Rewrite Your Career Story group coaching program this month. If you feel that that is something that is right for you at this moment in your career and life, I'm starting work with a new group and our first session is going to be on Monday, the 30th of May. This intimate and transformational program is for any one of you who is feeling stuck, underwhelmed or overwhelmed in your work and life and who needs to rewrite the way that they live and work. Together, we're going to figure out what that looks like for you. Details are in the show notes and I would absolutely love for you to be a part of it. As always, if you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, share it, rate it five stars on Apple. And if you want more from me, sign up to the weekly rewrite. It's in inboxes every Wednesday where I share stories, thoughts and ideas on creating a work life that works. The link to sign up as well as all of the references mentioned in today's episode are in the show notes. That's all for this week, rewriters, and for this month. I will see you next month. Have a good one. Bye. The Rewriters is produced, written and presented by Monique Shaw, original artwork by Kiana Perry and original music by DJ Cinnamon.